this is Robert Mitchell at High Tide in the Dream Time. It's been a while and I'm back and I'm inspired to make a new podcast. Um, this one, before I get to it, what I'd like to say is if, if you're listening and you enjoy this podcast and you want to get to Apple Podcasts and write a review, that would be super. Um, also, uh, today's uh, subject is going to be called The Illusory Self. And it is, or it could be psychedelics in the illusory self. It is a subject that uh, I've been thinking about a lot lately that I've been working with people on. And I like to think that if you think about this, if you listen to this podcast, it's actually going to be uh, reality altering. If you just, if you, if you just stick with me for a few minutes, I think if you've enjoyed other podcasts, you're really going to enjoy this. Well, uh, you know, there is the notion, it's sort of a Buddhist notion of the illusory self. Uh, another word for it is shunyata, which means emptiness. And it also, what we're talking about today is with the illusory self is also the dreaming self. So I'm going to try and tie all these things together and demonstrate how we're constantly recreating ourselves according to habits. And we're recreating reality according to habits as well. And the thing I want people to experience is that there's ways to deconstruct that. And there's ways to experience uh, the dreamlike nature of their everyday experience. And notice that it is far more dreamlike than it is solid. So the way, the way I want to start this off is with the, you know, in psychedelics therapies, there's the notion of the default mode network, which is what psychedelics shut down in the brain. It, 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 there's parts of your brain that you're constantly stimulating with the way that you think and the way that you perceive and the way that you comprehend what's going on around you. And you use the same parts of your brain to do it all the time. That's how you maintain a sense of your identity and a cohesiveness that started at your birth and is still you right now. And what I'm proposing in the, in the, realms of psychedelics, in the realms of meditation, in the realms of dreaming, is that, that that's a habit. And that habit causes you to screen out a lot of information. And uh, a lot of information that can be neutrifying. So one of the things that really interests me is, uh, one of the subjects that really interests me is lucid dreaming because I'm quite sure that lucid dreaming and psychedelics are very, very similar experiences. And though I dream a lot, I have never really been that good at lucid dreaming, which means knowing that you are uh, dreaming and acting in the dream with that knowledge that it's a dream. Um, I recall a lot of dreams, which seems to be the uh, indicator that you're going to be good at this, but I've just never been that good at it but I'm, I'm, I'm back applying myself to it. Most of the people I know who are really good at it are women. And I don't know why that is, but all the lucid dreamers I've known who regularly lucid dreamed are women. So I might just be out of luck in my present incarnation, but I'm going to keep trying and it has happened. Um, and in Tibetan Buddhism, 
there's this notion of Tibetan dream yoga. In the West, we have lucid dreaming, and that's been done by um, Stephen LaBerge, and it's been studied at Stanford. But in Tibet, they believe in this notion of dream yoga. And the dream yoga is it's essentially lucid dreaming, except for the fact that you, once you acknowledge that you're in a dream state, you want to be able to change the dream state around. You want to change your location. You want to be able to change the people in it. You want to be able to change yourself. You want to be able to change um, the circumstances and the feeling. And the reason that in Tibetan Buddhism, they think that this is a powerful exercise is because they think you're actually in a dream state when you're awake as well. And I agree with this. That's the default mode network that they talk about in neuroscience that psychedelics disassembles for a while and allows new ways of experiencing oneself to happen. And that usually has a really heavy impact because people notice that the ways they thought of themselves, the ways they've regarded themselves, the ways they've constructed themselves from the moment that they're born are not an ultimate reality. It's a choice, it's a creative act, and it's a habit. So in Tibetan dream yoga, what they want you to notice when you're dreaming is that all of that is changeable, that there's no ultimate reality in your dream state, that it's not a static thing, it's pliable, it's transformable, and because you are one with the consciousness of the dream, you can do it because it, it really, it emanates from you. Well, the transfer of that in your day to day is to notice that, yeah, you are getting information. It's a lot coarser. Your day to day is a lot coarser than your dream life. You're getting information from your eyes and your ears and from the internet and from your phone and from your feet being on the ground and from cars honking and all that sort of stuff. But what the notion of the illusory self is, is that you have been recreating this to your brain and your consciousness in a certain way from the moment that you were born. And it is no more solid ultimately than your dream state is. And quantum physics has uh, revealed that that is in fact true. That, that, that there is ultimately no solidity in our physical environment. But our nervous system, our, 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 you know, our senses have, which are part of the physical environment, which, which come from the physical environment and are, and are ultimately separate from consciousness like the brain is, have been branching out from your brain from the moment you're born, telling you again, again, the sky's blue and this is how I feel and this is how the people around me make me feel and this is how I feel safe and this is how I feel unsafe and ooh, I had this experience, it was traumatic and ooh, I had that experience, it was good, I wanna do more of that and ooh, this person scared me or I felt unsafe or you know, what are, my parents, they didn't empathize with the most profound parts of me or maybe they were abusive or maybe they were unhappy together or, or maybe they were doing the best they could and they just didn't have the same resonance with me that I would have liked to have. So it, I felt lonely, right? So this has been an ongoing thinking process all the time 
for everybody. That's how we know who we are, is we have this ongoing narrative. We have this ongoing narrative about where we live physically. We have this ongoing narrative about how our body feels. We have this ongoing narrative about what we're good at. We have this ongoing narrative about what we're not good at. Well, what, and you know, another voice in this would be, um, you know, I, I know people know I like this, but Carl Jung, who thought that dreams were important because um, understanding how you dream is important because he thought you were dreaming all the time. So he's not separate in his thinking, even though it's more Western from how Tibetan Buddhism looks at the dreaming state. He thought you were dreaming all the time and you were only aware of it when you shut down your daytime consciousness and were able to see the dreams in your in your perceptual field, but that you were dreaming into your reality all the time, that you were projecting these aspects of your consciousness all around you and these dynamics of your consciousness all around you. And when you were asleep and you shut those senses down, then though that dreaming became a, a awareness in the projected onto the screen of your consciousness. So what it, what what what's amazing about the subject and i think i could do a series of of pods on the subject cuz i'm super excited about it is to notice the habits that you have that remind you that you're you and some of them are going to be good and some of them are going to be bad um Compulsive thinking is usually constellated around trauma, repetitive thinking, um, disassociation, uh, fugue states where you just don't want to deal with what's going on. That's usually something that's been going on someone's whole life. I recently was working with a client who had these, you know, had some obsessive thinking and one of the things that I did for them, and I'm sure they wouldn't mind me saying this, is I said, when you have these obsessive thoughts, which are, are based in, in past histories and mistakes, instead of having those thoughts, say, I need to forgive myself. And by doing that, by replacing this constellation of circular thinking that spins out of control and becomes like, um, nebulae, star nebulae, and it starts here with one thought and ends up over there, you just shut it down with something like, I need to forgive myself. And think about the feeling, the resonance of, I need to forgive myself. Think about how that feels to say that. Or, you know, there's so many different, so many different short circuits we can put into our daily uh, experience that remind us that it's not, a, we are not a static thing. We are not a static narrative about ourselves. We are actually infinite. And we're sort of very focused on this very small constellation of identity and thoughts and stories and historical uh, review and memory, memories of how we felt in the past anticipating that we're going to feel the same way in the present moment. And what the um, alternative to this is, 
is really noticing your dream states while you're awake. Really noticing what you're taking for granted in the way that you think. Really notice the habits of identity that you have, or I know I have, that keep me or you in a very small ass part of ourselves. Now I know for some people it's like this. It's like I see people on Facebook and all they talk about is like, it's the Trump, um, the, the, you know, it's Trump uh, being impeached. That's they're fascinated by it. They can't stop talking about it. They can't stop thinking about it. And, you know, so they're going to go to their, nope, they're going to go to their, uh, they're going to go to their uh, computer. They're going to go to their phone. They're going to see what's happening. They're going to see who, what the Democrats have said. They're going to see what the Republicans said. Well, how many people who are doing that and have been doing that for years of like Trump being president or years of Obama being president and feeling good about it while all these other people felt bad about Obama being president? How much time have people spent doing that? It's really something to evaluate. How much time have I spent, uh, uh, you know, referring to my Facebook to see how many think likes things get? Well, there is such a huge consciousness in each person that exists outside those habits that exists outside the habits of assuming that what your senses are telling you about your environment is the ultimate reality of your environment. Because according to quantum physics, it isn't. That the solidity of your environment is a illusion created by your senses and the way your brain uh, organizes the information that it gets. And that the, and your identity is the exact same thing. It's been a habit of, oh, I'm referring to this, I'm referring to that, I'm referring to this, I'm referring to that over and over and over and over again for however many years you've been alive. So my suggestion is this, because I don't know how many people out there get lucid in their dreams, which, you know, I'm aspiring to, but because I'm not really that good at it, I want to become lucid in my day. I want to notice the times in my day when I'm habitually referring to myself in a certain way. And it's keeping me from actually experiencing the entirety of my environment, the entirety of myself. And also the knowledge that the consciousness that is not fettered by its constant reorientation towards a limited amount of information is the same consciousness that precedes birth and follows death. And to have that present during the course of your life is a phenomenal companion to have. It's a phenomenal capacity to have because that consciousness requires nothing because it exists in the, in the entirety and with the entirety of the intelligence behind physical and non-physical reality. And I know that that might be getting a little too far out, so I'm not gonna extrapolate too much on this particular talk, 
but I'm just gonna say, look at the ways. You know, and I will also say that with psychedelics, um, which are part of this discussion, those um, default mode networks, those constellations of identity become loosened and dissipated for a certain amount of time. And you get to see the relative nature of your assumptions about yourself. And that's what a lot of, um, that's what a lot of our problems are, is our assumptions about ourselves and our assumptions about reality and the limitations that that reality places on us and how we can experience ourselves and how we can express ourselves and how we can love and how we can feel compassion and how we can feel generous. And I think that there'll be other talks about this because I don't want to get too abstract and I don't want to bite off more than I can chew, but I feel like this is a bit of an introductory podcast. So just notice the assumptions that you make during the day over and over and over again that might not be true. And start with that physical reality might not be as static as you think and that there might be something behind it, beyond what you usually perceive. It's almost like, you know, I always like this idea and I've had this experience where like Los Angeles is a concept. It's like a, it's like a quantum field that we call Los Angeles, but there's all these different places in Los Angeles that are so different from one another that are states of mind. And you're like that too. And I'm like that too. There's all these places in ourselves that are states of mind that we think are static like Los Angeles as a location or San Francisco as a location, but they're actually fields. They're quantum fields and you're a quantum field and so am I. We're an organized quantum field, but we are organizing ourselves purposely, maybe using the wrong tools of identity. Maybe going, well, we can just detract this, we can subtract this, 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 and this and still function as ourselves and then open into a wider um, venue of ourselves by not continually reinforcing these smaller restrictive parts of ourselves and by not continually reinforcing these more restrictive ideas about our reality which may be 40, 50, 60, 30 years old that don't suit us anymore. Meditation is also an incredible tool for this because meditation does what psychedelics does is it, it, it disrupts your default mode network. It makes you aware of the habitual thoughts that you're having all the time that are creating your identity that are um, compulsive and obsessive. And as you sort of move through your body and relax the parts of your body associated with those thoughts. Your body feels different and your consciousness feels different. And that's what I'm super excited about in my work right now with people and in my own life. So I hope everybody kind of stayed with me on that and indulged me on that. And I appreciate everybody uh, taking some time uh, or being patient with me uh, 
with me taking some time to make between uh between podcasts I got a lot of messages that my podcasts were coming too slow but I've been moving and a lot's been going on um but I'm back and um I'm really you know I'm really looking forward to 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 speak on this subject some more and sort of relating astrology to it a little bit um you know I'm just going to add a little addendum about astrology in it because Astrology shows the, the the momentum of habits coming into this lifetime, the predispositions of how someone's consciousness functions, just through a like a momentum that's almost like a gravitational force. And when you give some objectivity on that, it gives people choices. And everybody's is different. Everybody's is unique. But everybody has the challenges of their habitual thinking and the way that their habitual thinking is going to interface with their environment. And that's completely mappable in people's astrology charts and in a very, very unique way. And that's what's great about being able to show people that because what they think they are as a byproduct of their experience, they find out in fact that their experience is a byproduct of the structures of their consciousness and their habits of perceiving. Um, so I think this has been a pretty far out abstract podcast. I'm going to end it here. I'm going to say, if you like this podcast, um, you can check it out. The website I have, which is www.goingquantum.org. And, uh, it's good to be back. It's good to be podcasting and feeling inspired about, uh, important subjects. And I've missed talking to you guys and I'm happy to be back and I will see you soon. All right. Take our speak to you soon. Take care. Bye.